0: You're listening to CMPA Practically Speaking.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hi, Steven.
0: Hi, Yolanda. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. Steven, I wonder if having a user ID and a password for an EMR gives us the right of access to any information at any time.
0: Hmm. Well, I think the way you're asking your question is going to force me to say (laughs) no. Any information at any time, I think, is the problem. Let's consider some examples. A celebrity is admitted to a hospital and someone looks them up in the EMR.
1: Is that all right? What about a friend who asks you to look up their MRI results because they can't get in to see their family doctor?
0: What about telling a learner or a colleague, hey, you know what, you should follow up this patient in the record to see how they evolve?
1: How about accessing a record to remind yourself of the care you provided when you're notified of a complaint or a legal action?
0: So what's the common thread in all of these scenarios?
1: Inappropriate access to the EMR.
0: You know what? When is access deemed inappropriate? You know, there's some pretty clear examples of inappropriate access, but it can be difficult to slice and dice on that subject in a number of different circumstances.
1: So today's podcast builds on the perspective article uh, regarding access to personal health information. So we're going to try to shed a bit of light on this for you and keep you apprised of the latest from the privacy world.
0: Let's go to our take-home points then, shall we, Yolanda? Mm -hmm. The first one is that privacy legislation is designed to put a patient's right of privacy first. So in that framework, our other societal objectives like quality improvement and education are secondary to patient privacy.
1: The second point is that of the circle of care. This circle of care includes healthcare care providers providing care to the patient who require information, but on a need-to-know basis in order to provide health care to the patient.
0: And the third point is that physicians, whether they be staff or trainees, really need to understand the custodianship of medical records. And that means that they really should always be seeking permission from their hospital or clinic before accessing patient records after they're no longer involved in patient care.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the first point about privacy legislation. So let's remind ourselves that privacy is legislated provincially. For example, in Ontario, PHIPA regulates the use and access to personal health information.
0: And PHIPA is the personal health information Protection
1: Act. Yes. So, regardless of where we practice, it is important to familiarize ourselves with the legislation applicable in the jurisdiction you're practicing in. That's
0: right. Because each province or territory has different guidelines to regulate the collection, the use, and the access of physicians or other people to personal health information. They also have criteria for what constitutes a privacy breach and criteria to guide us in reporting Mm -hmm. privacy breaches. So not everything is a privacy breach, and not everything that's a privacy breach is necessarily reportable to the patient. Mm -hmm. It may just be reportable to an institution, for Mm -hmm. instance.
1: So all of this information is generally available through your college, um, your hospital, your institution, and you can call us at the CMPA for added information as well.
0: And I would certainly echo that, Yelena, because it's complicated. Um, And so let's use an example to explore this, though. You're a well-intended physician who sees someone in the emergency department and you want to follow up on inner chart for your own education. Right, Look, we've all done that, right? And it's a noble thing. It may not technically be allowed. And if we happen to do it and the hospital runs an audit, we'll have to answer for it.
1: Yes, and this illustrates that privacy laws were not drafted with actual medical practice in mind. Their focus is really to protect the privacy of the individual. And we need to revisit and rethink our practices within the discipline of medicine as to how they fit into that framework.
0: That's right. And that's not to be critical of Mm -hmm. privacy. Loss. No. It's just the, it's the reality mm-hmm. of, of how things have evolved. So it's understandable in this age of e-communication and all the privacy breaches that, that are out there that we need to pay attention to that.
1: So such well-intentioned and justifiable access to the EMR may actually constitute inappropriate access to personal health information when you are not in that circle of care.
0: Now, Yolanda, some laws allow access to personal health information for purposes of quality improvement. And whether or not education is quality improvement is going to be a matter of interpretation based on the law at hand and the the viewpoint, the policy Mm -hmm. of the institution that you work in. So asking your hospital or clinic to draft a clear policy to allow access for quality improvement and learning may actually be well worth it so that you're actually promoting clarity within your institution as to whether or not this practice of accessing patients' medical records to follow up on their, commission, on their condition after you've mm-hmm. admitted them is actually allowable or not. But before you do that, it's actually important to know the provincial laws uh, that might actually affect the drafting of that policy.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is a great time to introduce the concept of the circle of care, our second take-home message.
0: Right. So physicians can generally rely on the patient's implied consent to share personal health information within the circle of care. So that's what allows me, the pediatrician, to share information with you, the oncologist, about a mutual patient that Mm -hmm. we have without actually having to seek their parents' formal permission to do so. Mm-hmm. It's implied. Yeah, that's right. Now, the healthcare professionals who need to know the information uh, to provide care are the ones that are included in the circle of care. So it's not this willy-nilly sharing just out of interest, of course. Uh, and the information you can share is actually limited to what's necessary to provide health care to the patient.
1: So once a physician is no longer in that circle of care, it's important that they consider whether access to the record subsequent to that is A, permissible, and whether the custodian has approved or allows the access. So
0: at what point, though, is one quote-unquote no longer providing care? And I'm waving my fingers in the air Mm -hmm. doing my quotation marks. Isn't following up on your patient good medicine?
1: Absolutely. I don't think anyone would argue with that, that that's not good medicine. But strictly speaking, we're only allowed to access personal health information for purposes of providing care. So whether following up on someone is continuation of providing a care is perhaps a bit of a gray zone. And even being in the context of a circle of care, the access does have limits. We're only allowed to access what we need to deliver that care or what we need from their past history to deliver their care today.
0: Right, so I'm thinking if I'm treating a patient with appendicitis, I would have no reason really to go look in their psychiatry outpatient visit history for instance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's not on a need to know basis unless it's relevant to the care today. So that is common sense, but let's focus on the issue when a physician is no longer providing care, as is the case when a patient gets transferred to another team, another institution. So this physician is no longer considered to be in the circle of care, and they do need to stop accessing personal health information.
0: Wow, well, that's something to think about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I know many physicians who see someone they're concerned about and may often reflect after the fact and wonder, you know, was my care appropriate? Was my diagnosis right? Mm-hmm. Should I have done something differently? And they may seek to learn and improve their practice by looking in the EMR. So that may be a problem privacy-wise.
1: Yeah,
0: It could be a walk-in clinic case where you found out that after the fact that, for instance, you might have missed something. So, man, leaving the circle of care is really the turning point then.
1: Absolutely. And we've had cases where doing just that has led physicians to be flagged by an EMR audit as having breached privacy.
0: That's right. And there may be ways to manage this, though. I think so. And, you know, so it may involve talking to the patient or their substitute decision maker if they're not uh, capable of giving you consent um, to, to obtain consent to do just that, to, to follow up in their record after mm-hmm. the fact and learn. Uh, if you do that... I, I, it's wise to get that consent signed and and to really make a note in the record of the mm-hmm. fact that you have accessed the medical record with that patient's consent so that um, you establish that you weren't snooping.
1: Yeah. So it's not foolproof, but at least it creates some transparency for your actions.
0: I think that's a great segue then to the third take-home point, right? The custodianship of medical records. Why, why is that important?
1: Well, honestly, as a physician, we often regard patients' health information as ours to use in the course of providing clinical care, and even for other purposes like teaching or, resor- or research. But individual patients do have the right to determine who can access their health information and under what circumstances.
0: Right, because the patient owns the information. Mm -hmm. The physician, the clinic, the hospital may own the system, the EMR system, or the paper record that houses the info, but the info belongs to the patient.
1: Yep. So in a hospital or other group practice, it is the institution that is the information custodian who uh, controls access over these medical records. And physicians should seek permission from the institution and be forthcoming about their reasons for requesting access to a patient's medical record.
0: And that's not to be nitpicky. It's really because that's the custodian's duty. It's their legislative duty mm-hmm. to ensure that there's no unauthorized access to those EMRs and to protect personal health information. So that's why they actually run chart audits when they do.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, without getting overly complicated, physicians can generally rely on a patient's implied consent to access and share their personal health information for purposes of providing that health care with people in the circle of care. However, when we access the record for a purpose other than providing care, the physician should really aim to get explicit consent from the patient or rely on a legislative provision that does allow them to access the record without seeking consent.
0: And depending on the provincial or territorial legislation, it may be possible to work with a hospital to create policies or procedures that actually allow access to patient information for educational purposes.
1: And that helps everyone. So the bottom line is twofold. Patient consent is required to access their personal health information for anything other than provision of care. And physicians should always seek direction from the custodian of the record uh, for, for purposes here, the hospital or the clinic, before accessing patient records when they're no longer in that circle of care. Right.
0: And see, that's why accessing a record to refresh your memory can be problematic once you hear of a complaint, a lawsuit, or after a patient safety incident after you've left the circle of care. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's not that you're not going to be allowed to refresh your memory or that there isn't a good reason to access. You are entitled to access the record to defend yourself in a complaint or a lawsuit. You just need to do so appropriately.
0: That's right. You need to follow the rules. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's here's a perfect example. I mean, it's not related to a complaint or a lawsuit, but I think it illustrates the points. You're on staff at a hospital, and your child has a chest x-ray, and you look up the results in your EMR. seems like a benefit of working at the hospital, right?
1: Sure, I mean, you're the parent, Uh, you provide consent for your minor child, of course, so what's the problem?
0: Well, the issue is that the hospital didn't give you access to their EMR for that purpose, and you're not, and never were, in the circle of care for Uh, your child.
1: So while you have a password and access to the EMR, you still shouldn't access that information, right?
0: Exactly. No, you're allowed to get the info. Of course, you're the parent and you can consent to that, but you have to do it through the right channel. So, you know, if you get back to that initial question you were asking at the very Mm -hmm. beginning of the podcast, having a password to your EMR doesn't give you access to anything, anytime.
1: No carte blanche. And in fact, that's what happens when audits are run um, on hospital medical records. The hospital will often run reports flagging access to a record by people with the same surname, i.e. family member, or all access on a VIP or Celebrity medical record, for example. Right.
0: And we've seen those. We've seen those cases. Yes, we have. So, how about we revisit uh, our initial examples, Yolanda?
1: Yeah. So, remember, what about the friend who asks you to look up their MRI result because they can't get in to see their doctor?
0: Nope. Even though you have consent from your friend to do so, you're not in their circle of care. And the right way is through medical records or for them to actually do it through their own physician.
1: So, then as a friend, I could tell my friend why don't you go to medical records, ask for a copy of your report, you are entitled to it, but you need to be the one asking for it, right? That's right. And how about when we're working with residents and other learners and we ask them to follow up on a patient we've been involved in and have a look in the record and see how they evolve, wanting to see what happened to this patient?
0: Nope. And that's probably the most shocking nope Mm -hmm. for our listeners, I suspect. Um, Again, they have left the circle of care if they're just doing follow-up and they're not involved anymore. But, so, but you know, we have to be real, right? This could have significant impacts on how we learn and mm-hmm. how we provide care. Don't we have an obligation to follow up on lab results, for instance?
1: Absolutely. Physicians are responsible for ensuring follow-up on all investigations they order. But that follow-up implies that you're still in the circle of care to action that result. The issue of following up out of well-intended curiosity for our own learning or QI is really the gray zone. And it is best to seek permission to do so from the patient and document your reasons for accessing that EMR if you do do it.
0: So following up with a purpose to provide care, i.e. following a lab result Mm -hmm. is different than following up with a purpose of just learning mm-hmm. and keeping a prize,
1: However noble that may be.
0: Subtle, subtle differences, mm-hmm. right? And finally then, what about accessing a record if you've been sued or complained about?
1: Uh, nope. While you may still be in the circle of care, accessing the file for this purpose is no longer related to delivering care. And while we are entitled to access the record for our defense in the case of litigation or a complaint, we have to go through the right channels.
0: Okay, Yolanda. Well, I think we've given our listeners a good primer on privacy issues and the whole business of needing to know information.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, That was probably what they needed to know about (laughs) privacy. Um, How about we move on to a communication tip then?
1: So communicate with your hospital to develop policies and procedures that will allow access to patient information for those circumstances that aren't strictly related to patient care. For example, educational and quality improvement undertakings.
0: I think that clarity would be wonderful to have. For For everyone. And in everyone's individual contexts, right? Because one hospital might deal with an issue very differently than another.
1: Exactly. Um, How about a documentation tip, Stephen?
0: Well, you know, my documentation tip would be um, linked to the fact that EMRs have built-in audit controls to detect each time a record is accessed. They know who accessed the record at what time, for how long, on what page, what was added, what was changed, was was deleted, it's all in the background. And so if anyone is accessing a record um, for a purpose other than provision of clinical care, Documenting the fact that they were doing so with the patient's consent and for the purpose of following up helps build that transparency. Yeah. Uh, I think it's worthwhile to, to really demonstrate that you're not really snooping.
1: Yeah. So documenting a note and the patient record at the time of transfer of care, patient agreed for me to follow up on their evolution in hospital, for example. Or at the time you access the EMR, making a note and saying accessed on this date today for this purpose. So doing it proactively rather than at the time one potentially gets caught, and it's still explainable, but to do so proactively and contemporaneously would be more prudent.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And please don't hesitate to send us your comments, questions, and story ideas. Our address is podcasts, with an S, at cmpa.org.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Stephen. This was great.
0: It was great. And remember, when you change the way you look at things,
1: the things you look at change. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.
0: These learning materials are for general educational purposes only, and are not intended to provide professional medical or legal advice, nor to constitute a standard of care for Canadian healthcare providers.